0: Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And we're here to give you more information about the outdoors this week uh bring it to your ear holes and hopefully (laughs) you listening to us uh this is episode number 16 we are now at two full no four Four. full months four Four. full months rick can't count uh four why come you
1: know (laughs) mathy huh you're a no mathy kathy why come you Uh, know mathy
0: yeah so funny story funny story about this um Many people probably do not know this unless you went to Fayetteville Perry High School. (laughs) Um, I, uh, math was the only subject I was not real great at. And I actually went down a math class. My, oh God, uh, reality being though, is that uh, I dropped down a math class and uh, I uh, had to finish out the year that way. And uh, never really recovered from it. I still hate math, like with an <laughs> absolute passion, absolute flipping passion. So, um, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we have a good bit
1: of things to discuss. So, uh,
0: where do we want to start? We want to start with. I mean, it, it's. I mean, we are almost to August, which means, for me, at least, and I believe for you that deer season is right around the corner and whether you are traveling out of state or across uh, the country um, states, you know, Nevada um, I believe opens like pretty dang soon um, Florida opens even earlier than that I believe. Dude, Central California so Florida California actually is already open, right?
1: Yeah, yeah they're yeah. already open and then Florida deer um, they rut basically all year mm-hmm. um there's you know they don't have to worry about when they're going to have fawns because there's right. constant water food warmth so they literally certain parts of florida will have ruts in february others in july um i remember telling some dude he was full of shit because he said he killed a deer in florida <laughs> i'm like well that's probably what ranch were you on you know like you're crazy ain't no deer season in right now it's july bro yeah. And he's like, no. And, you know, that was when I was a dumbass and we just blurt <laughs> shit out. Before so you. at regs. Yeah. Well, not only that, but just maybe ask questions rather than yeah. accusing. I was like, no, don't you understand? I hunt in Ohio. I'm the man. So <laughs> I, uh, big deer that's, here. That's, that's <laughs> big deer here. So that's when I kind of learned to shut my mouth and maybe ask questions instead of, you know, just throwing shit out there. But anywho, um, yeah. So, uh, Florida, I would say, is open. If if they're not, it's Mm -hmm. damn close. And then Central California is open. Uh, I will be, uh, as I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, um, traveling to Nebraska. And that opens the 1st of September. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that we have such great luck that we kill out and come back and we're right in kentucky
0: kentucky for opening weekend That
1: friday that way i can get settled in and go hunt kentucky saturday morning well technically i ain't hunting in the morning i I figured that out i'm hunting in the evening
0: yeah yeah uh i I made that mistake a couple years ago my first time being over here i was so excited to be able like i get to go hunting a whole month early this is freaking wonderful And then I just sweated my nuts off the entire time I was sitting in the stand, got blown at by 15 different does walking through and it just, it was just an awful experience. I mean, it was a great experience in the woods, don't get me wrong. It was an awful experience as a deer hunter for the sole fact that like anything that was probably within a mile radius could smell me because, um, I dressed like I was going to hunt Uh, an October one deer opener versus a September one deer opener.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Even though here in Ohio, I mean, it's still, generally it's not like a nice opening day. If it's not stupid and raining like it did last year. Last year, it was hot. Yeah. And then we got set up, literally not in the forecast Mm -hmm. at all. We all got rained on. It was insane. Everybody did. I was pissed off um you know i'm having to hide the camera and it would like rain for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and stop and you think you're good um and then here it comes and it was like freaking downpour
0: yeah it was rough so
1: um but uh that said uh yeah we got a bunch of deer seasons right around the corner um and that kind of leads us into some of the things we're going to talk about so first things first uh I got my new cellular cameras yesterday. The Very Tacticam nice. Tacticam Reveal. Uh I was fortunate enough to not be one of the pilot people that <laughs> were made to pay like hundred and twenty bucks oh, really? per camera. Yeah, they they bought them for hundred and twenty dollars and then Turn around and pay ninety nine for them at Bass Pro, Cabela's, on Amazon. Oh, that's a uh, gut bunch. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty stoked. There, uh-huh. it, one thing I'll say is it's not a Spartan. It's, yeah, it's not the you know whatever Spartan 300 four hundred
0: dollar camera. I was gonna say those those are uh, the cost they're, of a new gun.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're as good as it gets. I'd say when it comes to cell cams, uh, not only with pick and video quality the fact that you get a video with my camera, Mm -hmm. it'll save, it'll do pick and video, but it'll save the video on the e-card, not send it to you. So um, you'll only get picks, but you know, in my opinion, I'm not trying to get videos like that. I'm trying to get pictures to Mm -hmm. see when those deer are there and all that. And I'm trying to stay out of there
0: uh, as much as
1: possible. So if this thing works out and you know, the deer set it off, uh, like they should and all that, then I'll probably buy a few more here before too long. But,
0: you know, this, this is, this is a big talking point in the hunting community right now is, uh, are are the cellular cameras. And when we had officer Gilkey on here, hopefully we'll have him back on. I actually talked to him today about, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, reds baseball and that kind of stuff yeah and uh we were we were oh i yeah.
1: would like to talk to him about reds baseball i think, <laughs> I think he and i would align on a lot of red
0: stuff right now go ahead uh yeah so he uh so he and i are talking and um you know it reminded me of what he said with regards to like knowing about a animal moving through an area and kind of all that kind of stuff and how that how that operates or how that deals with things and you know this is a big point that i think some states are trying to get out in front of or things like that is uh what constitutes fair chase and things like that um i think they're awesome personally like i don't own one but i I, I, you know i I would love to have one um i would love to have (laughs) i would love to be able to uh get pictures and videos of deer like perusing my bait sites and that kind of stuff uh, throughout the evening and uh, throughout the middle of the night. I'd probably drive myself insane though. I think that's why I don't have one just yet. Um, But it kind of bleeds into that area of um, if you know that a deer is going to be there at 615 every day, um, how, how does that factor into being a hunter and all that kind of stuff? And, I know that's a talking point, but for the moment being, I'm excited to see how these things work and how this all plays out. Yeah. Um,
1: so one of the things, you know, some people use these cameras, some don't. Uh, I do believe that. So there's a lot of people that get confused when we talk about certain things. And, mm-hmm. and one of them is that, uh, when we talk about deer being smart enough to know a camera's there Mm -hmm. and know they're being hunted. Do I think that does and babies and young bucks, I'm not sure that they really care because they come in all times of the day and they're just not as leery. So when we get, you know, kind of try to help explain this a little bit to people and I'm not captain big deer God, but, uh, this, this only (laughs) makes sense. If you think about it logically, Mm -hmm. um, when you get that big buck, that's four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever, and he's 140 or he's 190, he is not just physically superior, right? He is also mentally superior and much more intelligent than the other deer. And he's probably gotten lucky a few times as well.
0: They don't get um, that big and they don't get that old because they're dumb.
1: Right. He, he is intelligent. He is crafty. He is methodical. He is what most people don't think animals and specifically deer are. Right. He is intelligent to a certain uh, respect. They bed mm-hmm. to watch your access and all that. So um, I've actually had pictures where you'll see a certain specific deer Stare at your camera Mm -hmm. and never come in and eat corn. Never come in and lick mineral, nothing. Have a damn candy block lick, hanging on a tree Mm -hmm. and won't have anything to do with it. But you got that picture of him, you know, it's on three round bursts. So you got three pics of him one single time. Never see that deer again on camera. And then I went out hunting for another deer that was on camera like clockwork. Uh, Drew Bledsoe and uh, this deer shows up at 40 yards and I I wasn't expecting that deer I figured he was just you know how they kind of wander here and Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. I figured that's what it was no he was coming through there pretty routine he just didn't screw off and come in eating that corn and I don't know if it's he's had a bad experience or you know whatever but whatever the case trust me when I say that there are deer out there Maybe not everywhere, but mm-hmm. there's deer, especially big ones, avoiding your camera. So unless you got that absolutely quick clip, then you ain't got nothing. And then that's where, you know, oh, I don't have anything that's over 140 on camera. So mm-hmm. I'm not going and he's out there. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, and,
0: and I think that also goes back to how often you go in and check your cams, and how often you go into the woods just in general to reset bait and that kind of stuff. Yep. You know, there's two very different theories on that kind of thing, where um, some guys will go in every week because they want the deer to get used to them. They want yeah. the deer there. You know, they'll do they'll do that pretty regularly. Uh, yeah. Then there's then there's the other side of you put the cameras in, you don't go in until October. Uh, right. and you don't hunt those deer. And I think with those, with this new tactic reveals that allows for that second option, a heck of a lot easier because yes. if you are setting it up on a piece of property and like let's say that you're not necessarily baiting it or if you have a food plot or something like that it makes it a heck of a lot easier to just have it sitting there watching the plot and you not ever having to go in there dispersing scent or anything along those lines that might necessarily kind of spook those deer a little bit more
1: yeah i think uh you know i think everything's situational too for example um and and i'm not gonna say you know people make it out to be like uh, People make it out to be like, um, you know, subdivision deer and um, urban deer are uh, not as intelligent. And they absolutely are. It's just that um, they're used to people a little more. So they're used to, you, you know, chopping trees down in your backyard and it doesn't, th- certain things, you know, you, you put grass clippings or, mm-hmm around or whatever in your backyard they're used to that kind of stuff so it's not out of the norm freaking the hell out of them right so, right you go out in the country you go out the hill country
0: yeah start
1: doing stuff like that and putting up blinds and i'll Those be honest you get
0: weirded out real easily all
1: oh, dude they freak the hell out they, they just leave yeah i i had a farm last year with you could say three for sure shooters and three other really nice mm-hmm. deer When I say a shooter, it's 160 plus. No, no, not, not quite that big. I had one that probably push mid fifties. Another one would push right around 50. And then there was an eight pointer that if he was not broken up, Mm -hmm. I would have shot him because he's just a, one of the bigger deer I've ever had on camera, body wise, right. Giant neck, giant head. He was clearly a very, big dominant deer. Um and I'm hoping to get him on camera this year. So, uh I put a blind up mm-hmm. and those deer left. Really? I never got a single picture the rest of the season and I left that blind up thinking they'd get used to it mm-hmm. and I put mineral out. They still haven't come in. So Really? Yeah, so I'm I'm going in there probably tomorrow and I'm going to take that damn blind down mm-hmm. and then See what happens. So, See what happens
0: after that. Um, so,
1: yeah, I mean, the Tacticam, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, it works. I tested it out at home and then I took it and put it up at a spot that I have a pretty good buck. Actually, now two pretty good bucks. Mm-hmm. Actually, three. Um, I don't know that any of them are shooters for me yet. Yeah. Kind of still seeing what I have, them out. all that. Uh, but um, that said, it, it's not expensive. I think it's thirteen bucks a month for mm-hmm. unlimited picks and that's for your first cam and the second cam and every cam after that maybe is like twelve bucks a month or something. So not bad. Uh but when you think about it, if you take that hundred bucks, I think it was a hundred and thirteen dollars, mm-hmm. uh, and then add whatever. Now think about when I drive out every week to exactly Blue Creek in Adams County mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I'm probably spending twenty five bucks a pop on gas. Exactly. So you're going to save some money pretty quick.
0: Well, yeah, and that—that's that, you know that, that you have, you have to look at it from a, a standpoint of what's going to be best for you overall. I mean, you you could put one of those out, and it could be one of those things where it's going to be um, a lifesaver. Because I you know I had a farm that I hunted uh, for five or six years. And I would drive 45 minutes after work every Friday, go dump corn, pull cards, you know, drive back around, pick up my kids. And I mean, it, it ended up being like an hour and a half, um, almost two hour long trip every Friday because I had to keep going out there and doing that. Whereas, you know, had I just, you know, had something like that. I could have this you know, sent to my phone, and then I don't got to go out there and bait the site or whatever. I could go out yeah. every two. I could just dump a ton there and just be done with it and not have to worry about it for a while. But, you know, it's getting to that time of year where, um, you know, if you don't already have it, buy your corn. It's going to go up in price. If, if it hasn't already, saw a guy uh, walking out of a store with a bag of it uh, to go plop down uh, with a brand-new trail cam. Uh, that they had on sale as well. So it, it's, you know, it's on people's minds as, uh, as what's happening, you know, moving forward for the year.
1: Yeah. Um, so that said, Tacticam, so far, so good. Um, next thing I kind of want to hit on is kind of what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, the bait sites mm-hmm. and now obviously check your state regs lots of states do not allow baiting i believe it is legal obviously in ohio but also in kentucky yes
0: ohio kentucky okay. um i don't know in michigan anymore because i don't know if they passed the laws up it's there like
1: enough. a weird dude it's so weird up there you could mm. have like it's the dumbest thing ever it's like a gallon or something which dude what are you going to put out you'd have to put out liquid mineral or something like you yeah. couldn't you could not put out a gallon of corn no. anywhere. You couldn't put out a gallon of corn in the middle of the damn road and have that. No, you're that better
0: plant. off doing like micro plots and stuff at that point.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just plant a bunch of corn and then mow it down yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, that said, you know, we kind of hit on this a little bit when you're running those mineral sites and bait sites. One of the things I like to do, um is throw out you know a little snackage uh when i lay the mineral out there mm-hmm. just helps attract them and um you know get them coming in there basically yeah. let them know where the mineral is and uh i'm looking to inventory my deer like i'm not trying to get them on a pattern like mm-hmm. i'm not mm-hmm. under the assumption assumption that you know any deer for that matter but Every once in a while you'll find a deer that you can kind of manipulate, but for the most part, when you're hunting big deer. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about big deer here. Big deer. Big four plus year old deer that are, you know, probably gonna be scoring well as Mm -hmm. as well. So um I'm just trying to inventory deer and you know, look at what direction they're coming from, even though that doesn't tell you that much as much as you think anyway. Mm -hmm. Um and just try to get a handle on things. That way I know when I start hunting season opener, what farm am I going to go to? What public land tract mm-hmm. am I going to go to? Uh, which you can't bait on public land, by the way. But,
0: no, you can't. Not you know, in Ohio get, or Kentucky.
1: Yeah, you, you kind of get the gist that, you know, when you're running these cams and stuff, um, that's mainly what I'm doing is taking inventory. And then uh, if I have a deer that seems to come in to my bait site a lot in the daylight Mm -hmm. that tells me that he is bedded fairly close and at that point I'll probably try to entice him and literally I will not go in there unless the wind is perfect Mm -hmm. I will not go in there in the evening or morning it will be the hottest shittiest part of the day when deer are probably laying in a creek or somewhere in the shade or Mm -hmm. whatever and I also set my sights up in between food and bedding or right on mm-hmm. food. I never put it in bedding. That's, you're just begging to screw up your life. So that said, uh, is there anything you like to use at all? I know I do. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about my mineral concoction here. In I a mean, second.
0: the, the ba- the basic, uh, the basic thing that I use is, uh, I, I find travel corridors, <clears throat> and pinch points, uh, with the farm that I hunt at least. Um, and I just use, you know, shell corn, um, when cows don't get into it obviously like it did last year and completely ruined my spot. I need to completely ruin. I got a nice deer. Uh, but you know, I, I don't, I don't put down any minerals or that kind of stuff cause it's a pretty mineral rich area already. It's a Creek bottom. There's a lot of stuff already there that those deer are pawing and digging up. Um, sure it's it's a real good area so i don't have to i don't have to manage or do that and it sits on the edge of a field full of clover and that so yeah um it those, those deer just kind of filter in and out of there between bedding areas and going out into the uh, cow pastures and that kind of stuff
1: okay um so i wanted to kind of hook people up a little bit here um and this isn't some super big secret. You can find this online anywhere, but some people don't know. So, mm-hmm. uh, my mineral that I use, and again, if anybody thinks that mineral just grows these giant deer, please don't believe that. That's a marketing thing. That's yeah, not- you,
0: there, there's there's multi, there's a multitude of factors that go into deer being the way that they are, and a lot a lot of it has to do with habitat. Minerals uh genetics i mean there's there's a ton of different factors that go into that
1: i I think honestly in my opinion and experience
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I do have a little experience in this uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be connected to uh, quite a few people in the deer farming industry so age genetics, obviously you know on a deer farm mm-hmm. um, they have unlimited food right so right. One thing that people don't realize is how much a buck is pressured and stressed, whether Mm -hmm. that be hunting pressure, predator pressure uh, from coyotes, mountain lions, whatever you got. Um, And then the other thing is the pressure from the rut and their ability to recover. Um, That is huge. Uh, And I've heard of guys literally um, tranquilizing a buck so they could do a minor surgery like mm-hmm. a dental thing or something mm-hmm. stupid, right? And the deer was like, I think it was a three year old and it was like 287 inches or something. You know, don't Holy quote cow. me, but I mean, I'm pretty close on yeah. that number. It wasn't like 190, it's like a 280 inch deer. And the next year, nothing else changed for that deer. The next mm-hmm. year, that deer didn't even make 200 inches. Really? And then, and then the next year, it was over 3 so that really? you know what i mean like it was it was that and it's stress 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 just yeah kills Absolutely. so which i mean look at what it does to people i mean there's people that literally you know the cortisol I mean, level
0: it, shoots up and it does really yeah. things to your body
1: yeah i mean think about what it does to the meat of an animal when
0: mm-hmm. they stress
1: out for just a few seconds so anywho um don't think that you know you're going to buy i'm not going to say the the brand but there's one that everybody knows that (laughs) claims that they grew these the biggest biggest ever here yeah they're full of shit you would never have a way of knowing that right especially with a wild deer yeah you have absolutely no idea so that said um i go to my feed store Mm -hmm. and this is so simple you get mineral now Mm -hmm. a lot of people use trace mineral and that's fine But keep in mind, trace mineral means that there is a trace of mineral. Yeah. I think it's like 90% salt. Really? Yeah. It's something crazy. So there's very little mineral in there. So what I do, Mm -hmm. um, feed feed guy taught me a little trick. So the farmers buy the Redmond mineral, which Mm -hmm. is the same people who make Trophy Rock. Okay. so, it's the same mineral they use to make trophy rock, only it's a granule. It's not salt. It's like pure mineral, basically. So, uh, lot, large granules. Um, I buy a 50-pound bag of that. Mm-hmm. I buy a 50-pound bag of feed salt, mix-in salt. Mm-hmm. And then I buy a 50-pound bag of dicalcium phosphate.
0: Dicalcium phosphate.
1: Yes, And say that 20 times fast, right? (laughs) So then I simply mix them at a one-to-one-to-one ratio. Mm -hmm. So I just basically take a five-gallon bucket and take a cup of each until I get the bucket damn near full. And then I go out with a hoe and preferably like a bottle of Gatorade, a little bit of uh, powdered Kool-Aid, you know, mix sweet stuff in there to just Mm -hmm. kind of spice them and help them find it easier, uh, quicker, I guess I should say. And uh, I'll take like a gallon of water, and I'll hoe up the dirt. I try to find a spot, too, with that kind of, I don't want to say holds water, but holds yeah. moisture. Moisture, um, yeah. I don't want a mineral site to be on a ridge top where the water doesn't hold. So um, I'll hoe up the dirt, get the leaves and weeds and everything out, hoe the dirt up, and get it chopped up real fine and then dump that stuff in there and just mix it in with the dirt nice and then dump the water in there and mix it around to kind of soak it because otherwise the deer will come in there and just clean it up yeah and then dump that gatorade and uh you know i also add the kool-aid powder in before i dump the water on as well i should have said that so it's just a neat little thing and i mean honestly what you're doing there this is kind of logic and opinion uh Mm -hmm. you know i could never prove this but when you think about it you'll see big deer little deer whatever come in there and lick it but one thing i think i see the most is mamas with babies Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. lactating Mm -hmm. they tear that stuff up really and they clearly i mean they clearly need that i'll have a doe come in there six eight times a day licking that mineral and and she'll dig a hole i had yeah that farm out in adams county i had one single doe with one baby now i've got two does and two babies which is really exciting for me adams county deer population sucks right now especially (laughs) where i am i'm out in blue creek so uh it's hill country and if you see a doe in november dude you better just sit still because somebody's gonna be behind her before too long but uh so anywho um yeah they'll dig a big old hole and yeah i mean mean, crazy
0: just completely like just just it all out
1: so um that's a little little tip for all of our wonderful listeners there uh on that good deal so um let's uh switch gears before i get into my real ramble here yeah and uh let's talk gardening man you uh yeah you've been pickling some stuff i
0: have um it's been fun and one of the big things that you know goes into summer means gardens and uh with gardens uh comes preserving at least for me it does but uh i will say this it's been tough finding canning supplies yes everybody and their mother decided that they wanted to learn how to can this year because they (laughs) they have gardens now like i've got all this time to go ahead and like learn how to can and garden and um it's made it tough I, i i will say this so uh, I, I've, I've not hit like full bore, uh, worry yet, but, um, if you can find canning supplies, you know, obviously grab them and get them. And I, I have, uh, been pickling, uh, cucumbers from my garden. I just did a bunch of, um, carrots tonight that, so I can, uh, I can have those as well. If you've never had pickled carrots, uh, you're missing out. They're really good. Pickled asparagus. Oh, let's too. Try that really um, yeah it, it, it it's it's ridiculous good I had it at a uh restaurant over in Kentucky they served pickled carrots with their Reuben instead of a pickle and it was absolutely amazing I was very surprised so I'm like I figure I can do this I'll, I'll figure it out so I figured it out so I made um caraway uh pickled carrots tonight so hopefully they turn yes. out but um as you do this there, you will have accidents. I had my first accident, I believe ever (laughs) doing this the other, uh, last night, actually. Um, instead of doing the, uh, sous vide pickling, which I've been doing more of where I just kind of like set it and forget it. I was like, I'll get, I'll get the, you know, the canning pot out and I'll do it on the stovetop. Man. I, I went to pickle a whole thing of cucumbers and I heard a pop noise. I'm like, huh? Uh, I thought it was my sealed intake or something was wrong with the jar. Pull it out, like, look at it, like retighten all my jars, put it back down in there. Timer goes off. Go over and look. There's fricking cucumbers floating everywhere. There's broken glass. It's just like, uh, you, you have a, you'll have exploding jars every once in a while. So make sure, um, you follow directions before you put jars in boiling water. Um, it's real easy to forget to do that bring your jars up to temp so they stay um, at some type of uh, uh, equilibrium with the water otherwise they're going to pop and you're going to have a bad day dude
1: so <laughs> I my grandma's got this neighbor that's about her age she's mm-hmm. pushing 90 years old and uh, man she's went downhill the yeah. last six, seven years or something, but, uh, which really sucks. You know, you, you know, they're, they were, they've been old people to me since I was alive. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, you know, they started in their fifties when I was alive or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they were in their fifties. So, uh, she's the next door neighbor to the farm and, um, she told my grandma that she had some canning stuff. She wanted to kind of get rid of and sell her husband had passed and, they don't really raise a whole lot of stuff anymore. I think her grandson takes care of her or whatever. So, um, she sold me a Presto. This thing, dude, I'd love to know how old this thing is. I should, <laughs> I should try to check. I mean, it came with a manual. No
0: you geez. know how they
1: are, man. Yeah. I mean, they had the box that came in. Everything It was a mm-hmm, Presto mm-hmm. canner, and uh, dude. The first couple batches turned out amazing, and then one day, for those of you that don't know, there's a pressure canner, and I mean, you're cooking this stuff under pressure, and with certain things, you know, a lot of stuff you can do like a hot water bath, they call it, and it basically seals, It, it gets it up to temp. Yeah, uh-huh. but for the most part, lots of stuff is acidic enough to make sure there's no but. Yeah, your salsas,
0: your pickling, yeah. that kind of stuff is acidic enough to be able to go ahead and do that. But if you're doing so, like wetter, wet, wet packs, and like with for green beans or tomatoes, yeah. I mean tomatoes are pretty acidic. But like m- most stuff that you will grow like regularly um, doesn't have enough acidity in it for it to be. Uh, you have to use the vac sealing. Um, yeah, vac sealing. I'm sorry, pressure canning. Pressure um, canning. <laughs> Just like if you're uh, canning meat, too. You would yep. need to use a pressure canner for that as well. Otherwise, you will get botulism. Botulism. Which is
1: no fun, <laughs> I would imagine. So, um, that said, <laughs> that said uh, I got in a hurry and removed that pressure valve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, I mean, immediately when I did it, I was like, oh, shit. And you just hear all seven quart jars bust.
0: And, uh, and
1: you open it up and there's now keep in mind just so people are aware so you can do a batch of seven quart jars in this canner mm-hmm. a quart jar is good for two or three meals yep and seven quart jars you can take this to the bank is a heaping bucket a heaping five gallon bucket of green beans So a lot of stuff went to waste there Ugh. and green beans are my fave. Yeah. Out of anything I grow, uh, I'll eat corn on the cob this time mm-hmm. of year. And I love tomatoes and salsa yeah. and onions and potatoes and all that. Right. But the peppers, oh, Uh, which if you need any peppers, uh, your boy can hook you up if Sweet. you need them. Uh, that said green beans are my thing. And that, that was worth a couple tears and like a fist, onto the counter i was pissed so but uh yeah man the canning um we've got so i went and picked blackberries the other day Mm -hmm. wife made a delicious cobbler i think we've got enough for probably a batch or so maybe two batches of uh blackberry jam jam and then we've got enough i think we picked about a five gallon bucket of green beans oh nice we're getting we're getting Grape tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, uh, all kinds of the other tomatoes. The only tomato I'm not getting yet is Roma's. Yeah, uh, my Roma's are stunted for whatever reason. And, mine are too. Wow.
0: Yeah. I wonder if that's just because it was so dry for so long. I think it's. I think it's got something to do with that. Like my mine just have it. Like I've got green. I've got green Romas, and they just they're not turning um, for yeah. whatever reason. But, but I they say take that, a while. Yeah, and I say that my parents brought over like. Like a bag of them for me today, and I think it's oh wow. But but their their soil's ridiculous. Like they, they oh I'm sure I don't forever. doubt that.
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the cool things that I'll kind of talk about is I went and you know some people probably saw me post this. Uh, I went to my cousin's house. Mm-hmm. I'll keep his name um, out of it because he didn't like to be talk. Uh, he's yeah. Just, he's connected within some certain fields of work and uh, he doesn't want to take a chance on anybody you know getting pissed yeah but uh, we he grows rabbits oh yeah uh, and chickens and all this and mm-hmm. uh, dude he's got the most amazing system for slaughtering and butchering really whatever you need all oh, dude it's so quick and efficient um, it's got this little device you stick the rabbit's head in there mm-hmm and, and literally, you're cradling. It is kind of fucked up. Um, you cradle this rabbit and just kind of keep hold of his bottom legs. Yep. And then you slowly slide him into this thing where it basically just, you know, you've got his head in a contraption. No, no, no. no. no that'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, that's actually counterproductive for his system. Oh. You don't cut his head off. You literally, as soon as you get that in there, you close a little lever Mm-hmm. So his head is trapped in there, yep. And you you simply pull straight up on his back legs, instantly pops the neck and the animal's done. Oh wow. I mean like lights out right now and I'll be honest, I'm a big time hunter. Mhm. I struggle sometimes with slaughtering animals cuz it's different.
0: It's different. I used to uh I used to, I worked in a rat lab at one <laughs> point a long time ago. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh well I mean for uh I yeah I mean really kind of weird segue um you're hard but, up for money but, but uh but uh in college I worked in a rat lab and um like you have to like dissect the brains and that kind of stuff and that was part oh, wow. of like what you have to do is you have to you know sack the rats and you have to you know get their brains out and that kind of stuff in one piece but you it's like you're essentially like making sure that the animal's dead and it's, you know, it's a uh, lot different than like putting a gun, to a, a gun to an animal or something like that. It's a little bit more personal. So, um, yeah. while I didn't eat the rats for food, I understand what you mean <laughs> with, uh, with being able to, uh, being able to do that. It's, um, you know, it's a di- it's a different form of, uh, of, of livestock growing actually. So
1: on episode 17, <laughs> Rick admits to eating the rats. Never,
0: Um, never, never. (laughs) So uh,
1: it was really cool. Well, one of the exciting things is kind of nerdy of me. uh, This is my green thumb, which really turns to a brown thumb here. Mm -hmm. Um, He collects all the rabbit poop manure, whatever you want to call it, and keeps it in buckets. And I got two buckets of that stuff to throw Uh, in my garden, which is like, it is so stupid, like nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to toss that around the garden, but, uh, and I got a few rabbits out of the deal for helping. Uh, It was, it was really amazing. So you'd break this rabbit's neck and then let them hang. And you just make all the cuts that you would need Mm -hmm. around the legs. Yep. And then you'd, make a slit across the shoulder blades and then he had like this uh, little piece of metal screwed into a post Mm -hmm. that was sticking up and you'd literally, it was like when a bully would pick a kid up and hang his ass on a door hanger or a coat hanger, same thing. You'd make that slit across the shoulder blades and kind of separate the membrane up there behind Mm -hmm. the shoulders and uh, up into the neck area and then just slide that thing right on there And then undress the rabbit. You you cut around the front of him and undress the entire rabbit, gut him. And uh, I actually also learned, this was crazy. I didn't know this. Shame on me, but I never took anatomy. Um, I removed the gallbladder. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that the gallbladder sat in the liver. Mm -hmm. I I did not know that. And let me tell you, it is a tricky bitch to <laughs> cut a rabbit's gallbladder out of a liver without screwing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be very simple to screw it up. And then once you do all that bile comes out of there and it's,
0: yeah, it's are done at that point. So, so uh,
1: which I've never, I've not done the rabbit liver yet, but uh, when we do rabbit hunting and all that, yeah, we'll be doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: um, that's kind of exciting, but yeah, uh, gardening has been, been doing, uh, <laughs> doing pretty good. And, uh, we're starting to collect stuff finally. And know, we're getting- finally,
0: it, it's kind of nice to be able to like start actually be, um, it, it's, it's nice just to finally start actually having stuff harvested from the garden that I, I planted a while ago. And like, we've talked about this, we've been growing these things forever and we're just now getting the uh fruits of our labor i guess so speaking of fruits of our labor um we need to talk about uh bow tuning
1: yes we do um Um,
0: because it's that time of year where if you haven't been shooting you need to be shooting and if you have been shooting you still need to be shooting
1: yes The gospel of the Lord. (laughs) Praise be to God. Uh, I I mean, you couldn't say that any better. Um, So as a target guy, uh, it's so difficult to hear. And and I know lots of guys are like this, and I was Mm -hmm. like this. It's so difficult to hear about somebody getting their bow out in August or even July, really. But August or September. And I'm like, dude, there's so much... But there again, you know, people are are not trying, you know, that's, that's where you, you get into like the guys who are like, well, I would never take a shot past 35 yards. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. And it's like, well, let me tell you the things that me and my shooting partner and our teammates and our opponents and all these people do would blow people's minds mm-hmm. if they sat down and just watched throughout the year, which I think. Now I didn't do the greatest job this year. I'm gonna show it off next year mm-hmm. if I do end up shooting um and if not i'll just I'll just get the stuff off of somebody else but yeah um there's so much that goes into that, and so much you're paying attention to that um when you get to hunting season it's it's insane dude like yeah i'm I'm going out there shooting one and one eighth inch dots at sixty yards Jeez uphill. Beats. uh you know at 20 and 30 yards, I'm Mm -hmm. shooting at something. I literally traced a dime on a piece of cardboard. So you could say it's a hair larger than a dime because I traced the outer edge of it with Uh a fine point Sharpie and then colored it in black. So I'm shooting at a dime at 20 and 30 yards. And if I'm not hitting that dime, keep in mind, this is still with field points, but, once we have everything tuned up, it's going to be the same yeah. rod heads, as long as you do your part. So that said, um, you know, when we step out to 60 yards and I can shoot something that's an inch,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, I mean, I can shoot a deer, which I'm not going to shoot a doe that far. I mean, there's no. No, I have all kinds of encounters at 10, 15, 20 yards, whatever, but a big buck in a bean field or, you know, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I go out to Nebraska,
0: you need, to be able to, you need to be able to shoot out that far.
1: I'm going to drop bombs. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to toss rainbows across the field. <laughs> so uh, that said, to kind of talk a little bit about some of the things you guys can do uh, to just kind of help. And again, I'm a nobody. When it comes to shooting a bow, I feel like I'm terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially some of these guys, they're just so annoyingly good. You know, Luke,
0: mm-hmm. Luke's
1: so freaking good at archery. <laughs> it's because he practiced, you know, that's his thing. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I always tell, you know, he always makes the joke. Well, not really a joke. It's true. He says, uh, hard work beats talent when talent won't work hard. Mm-hmm. And it's the truth. I mean, Luke, yeah, Luke it is. Works, Luke busts his ass for archery and archery pays him back for it. So, um, one of the things that I like to do, Setting up a bow that helps me. I think people look at these arrows, and they look at a chart, and it says if you have a 27-inch draw at 70 pounds, you need a 350 spine. And if it's, you know, and every arrow is different, mm-hmm. mind you. Mm-hmm. But I'm just tossing numbers out, so don't take that as the gospel. But this is just an example. But um, so if you were to buy that arrow, arrow, uh, take it home and start out at, you know, and it's got recommended lengths Mm -hmm. too, but if you start out, and and this also applies to guys with dual cam bows, so you can do what's called a bare shaft tune. So the first thing that you want to do is paper tune that bow, and a lot of times, like when you go get your strings and cables put on, more than likely, the only thing that bow shop's going to do is try to shoot a bullet hole through paper Mm -hmm. three feet away, five feet away, whatever, and then once they get that, they're good. They call it good, right? It's not everybody, but the majority of the time. And and to be honest, for what most guys are trying to do, mm-hmm. just damn fine. Yeah. But we can always be better. So, the next thing you can do is do what's called a bear shaft tune. And what you're going to do is you're going to take a fletched shaft and a bear shaft. You're going to start off at length X. Let's say... You're gonna start off with a 28 inch arrow, 28 inches being end to end on the shaft. Mm-hmm. This does not include the knock, a bushing, or an insert or head or whatever. This is just shaft end to shaft end. Yeah. All right. So, for those of us that know anything about arrows, the longer an arrow is, the weaker it is. So, it has more flex. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a 250 spine or 350 spine, 300 spine, whatever. When you make that arrow longer, it is not as strong as it would be as if you took a little bit off. So right. you don't, don't want to just go chopping the arrow down to 27 inches, 26 inches. So I started 29, 28, somewhere around there and shoot a fletch shaft and then shoot the bear shaft both at 10 yards starting mm-hmm. out. Because what's going to happen is that fletched arrow might not be too bad but there's a chance that unless you had somebody halfway decent that cares about you messing with your bow, yeah. probably got some cam lean and literally you can see the cam leaning, leaning off to one side. So what you do is you can shim a bow or yoke tune it or whatever. You'll put twists in the yokes, cables, whatever to adjust that cam lean mm-hmm. and get everything straightened up. And then once you do that, You start playing with the length of your arrow. And then and that this is basically the goal is to aim at a dot at 20 yards. That's kind of the standard. Mm -hmm. Luke's Luke's shooting at 40. Uh, but at 20 yards, you want to be able to shoot a fletch shaft and have that bear shaft hit pretty close, if not hit that arrow, slap it, something. But be fairly close. And then the other thing that's important is even though it's close, that doesn't necessarily mean you're good. You want to look at that. Obviously, we want a fresh target, fresh part of your target. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You want those arrows to be going into that target at the same angle, pretty yeah. close. And you'd be able to tell. I mean, it. it's not like it's going to hit a hole and send it that bad generally, but uh, you'll be able to tell if it's tailed high, tailed low, left, right, whatever. So um, once you do that, keeping in mind that you always set up your center shot. That's one of the first things you do on your rest with your arrow on your rest is set up center shot, center shot. And, uh, you don't want to jack with that too much. Right. But, um, once you get bear shaft tune, you'll make like minor rest adjustments up and down sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then if it, you know, if you've got your arrow chopped down 27, 26 inches, whatever, um, You can do a little trick where you take a couple of turns out of your bow to -hmm. reduce the poundage and shoot Mm -hmm. it. And if that makes it better, you know that you need a stiffer arrow and to not cut the arrow so short, or maybe uh, reduce your point weight or add uh, back end weight, like put a heavier knock, heavier knock on it, or something. Add a bushing. Get bigger fletchings, go to a four, four, or even a six fletch, something like that, which six fletch is kind of extreme, but, uh, you can do it and actually flies pretty good. Um, so there, there's just, there's so many tricks that you can do. So once you get all that stuff done, um, which that's a lot, generally you need a Mm -hmm. press to do a lot of that. Um, you can broadhead tune. All you're going to do is you're going to go out there and you're going to shoot. It's like bear shaft tuning kind of. Yeah. You're going to shoot your field point and then you're going to shoot your broadhead and you want to sight your field point in to the target. And then when you're sighted in, shoot your broadhead and you want to make sure that that broadhead's hitting about the same spot. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's about is going to be different. Some guys are excited that they hit their fist at 20 yards. (laughs) I think that's damn well good enough, but I also am not a fan of the term good enough. So uh, I'm shooting at stuff that's like
0: a quarter of a dime.
1: Well, yeah, by the end of this, I'll be shooting at arrow holes. And I'm not telling you I'm going to hit those arrow holes every no. time. But I'll be damn close. And that way, I know the, the reason I do that is that's almost, you know, I call that sight tuning. Mm-hmm. where Because if you sight in on a dot as big as a paper plate, well, of course, it's going to be easy to hit that paper plate. So you're not going to notice certain form issues and uh, not hold as steady. But when you're pulling through your shot and holding steady on something the size of an arrow hole, buddy, you're holding the bow damn well steady. Yeah, exactly. So um, those are just a few things you can do. And, you know, if you have field points hitting the target, hitting your bullseye, and your broadheads are not, you just micro adjust. When I say micro I want you all to hear me say micro and then I want you to say it to yourself three times because
0: (laughs) micro, micro, micro,
1: I mean, freaking sea hair adjustment Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. I'm talking where you barely, you barely tell that this thing moves. So let's say you hit your point of impact with your, your uh, field tip is on the money, Mm -hmm. but you shot, three inches left with your broadhead arrow up and down's fine though. So all you're going to do is you're going to bump your rest and I can't stress it enough. Don't move it too much because you're going to watch it go way off to the other side. Yeah. You're, you're going to, so when sighting in a bow, you chase the arrow. All right. So if you're shooting high, you move your pin high, right? Right. To adjust it. Well, it's the opposite with a rest. You chase the bullseye. Right. So if if you're wanting to hit to the right, you move your rest a little bit to the right. If it's just barely off up and down, you can just bump and I mean bump that thing up and down. They actually make toolless uh rests now where mm-hmm. you literally just turn a knob. I got one on order right now actually from Hamskia. It's nice. the Hamskia Trinity. It's super nice. And it's for a guy that wants to be minute, <laughs> you almost have to have that. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty barely, excited. To barely, barely adjustments. Yeah, I actually have uh, my, my bow strings and stuff on order. So while I just went and worked hard to sight everything in, I'm going to have to re- literally start from scratch. But I wanted to be able to shoot with the guys this weekend at that benefit oh, show. yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: so that's why I did that. But uh, anywho, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a little um snippet for you a couple other little things i notice a lot of guys hit high make sure that when you're shooting from an elevated position or if the deer's elevated above you mm-hmm. you're at the bottom of the hill they're at the top whatever make sure that you're always drawing straight out at a t angle You you look you know you're drawing straight mm-hmm. out 90 degrees well then you aim like a pendulum with your hips, with your core.
0: Always aim with your hips.
1: Always aim with your hips. If you're moving your arm up and down, if you're moving that bow arm, dude, that's changing your your freaking anchor and yep. so many different. Like it literally will change the way you're looking through the peep and everything. Mm-hmm. And dude, mm-hmm. it, I mean it. Even at fifteen twenty yards, that can you can miss a whole deer. Oh yeah, absolutely. That close, I've done absolutely. it too many times. So, just a little tip uh, for you guys. So, uh, other than that, um, man, I feel like we've how long we've we been talking we've here? Covered about a lot. Yeah. Um, any concluders, Johnny?
0: Um, no, I mean, uh, other other than uh, it's getting close, man. Deer season's close. Take advantage of those seasons, guys that are out there right now. Frog gigging. Uh, is is open right now. Uh, squirrel hunting will be open in Kentucky. If you have the opportunity to take somebody out, take them out, teach, and uh, you'll always learn something new when you're out in the woods with somebody new. That's Agreed. all I got. Yeah.
1: Um, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot, you know, we're pretty big safety advocates. Yes. Oh, um, yes. For the love of God and all that is holy and unholy and everything else. Wear a safety harness. Go get a safety yes. harness. Yes. If you yes. need one, right, Rick? I have like four of them. Yep. And I have a used one that's a vest. I'll give them to I you. I got an extra I'll one sh- sitting in my basement I'll, right now. I'll ship the son <laughs> of a bitch to you. Yep. Don't climb a damn tree without a safety harness. For the love of God, you do not want somebody banging your wife while she's wiping your ass and they're raising your kids. That, that's how I put it to guys. And I know that's crude, but that's a fact of life. Um, you do not want somebody else coming in and raising your kids and all that. You don't well, want to be a burden on somebody and you don't want to die. Yeah. I mean,
0: above all else, you don't want to die. And you don't want, you don't want anything bad to happen to yourself. So take the time to care for yourself and you know, it's the same as anything else. Just be safe and be smart about it.
1: Yep. So, uh, so. anywho, who uh, last thing I got, blackberries are, full throttle right now here in ohio yep especially in southern and central ohio um so uh one thing that i'll advise people on is um you're you're probably not going to go out there and find all the blackberries are ripe they come in in waves so like this week there'll be a wave and then you could pick them all and then next week there's going to be just as many and then the week after that there'll be just as many but probably after about three weeks or so they're going to start tapering off pretty bad and you're not going to get as many so exactly uh, get out there and pick you some blackberries and um summer scout man glass those bucks on public private whatever try not to pressure anything too much and uh good luck to everybody this
0: summer good luck oh, to hard. everybody so i guess uh we'll close it out so this has been fueled by the outdoors we've been your hosts, rick cates and chris leppard and again guys it's been a pleasure bringing you guys more great content and Good luck in your summer scouting and picking blackberries or whatever else you're doing right now.
1: Yep. Hell yeah, guys. Have a good <laughs> one. We'll see you next week.
0: Talk to you later guys. Bye. Bye. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn. CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.